0: You're listening to a sermon originally recorded by Schweitzer United Methodist Church in Springfield, Missouri. Check us out online at sumc.co. And if this sermon blessed you, be sure to share it with someone else. Thank you so much for listening. Now, on to the message. Jesus has been taking us on a journey through the Gospel of Luke. We've journeyed together since the Advent season. We've looked together together at how that Jesus and the gospel of Luke reminds us that God is always wanting to invite people on this journey. It doesn't matter who we are or what we are or what we've done. God wants us to be on the journey on the road to Jerusalem and to the new Jerusalem. God uh, reaches out to people who oftentimes are considered on the short end of God's love. God has a way of reaching out to a peasant girl named Mary who becomes the mother of Jesus. God reaches out to lowly shepherds who are the first to see his birth. God reaches out to prodigals along the way, a woman who has sinned months and a son who's disrespected his father. God has a way of seeing the the invisible, that we do not see. And God has a way of giving a voice to those who are voiceless. And so today, yes, we have reenacted as best we humanly possibly can what it meant to enter Jerusalem and what it meant to be a part of the praise and the thanksgiving that was afforded the one who came in the name of the Lord. Once more, I invite us to look at that story as we look at the cheers that Jesus was given, as we consider the jeers that were directed at him, and we are reminded of the tears that he cried that day, that day when Jesus came to town. For those of you who are able, will you stand with me for the reading of the gospel? From the Gospel of Luke, chapter 19, beginning with verse 28. After telling this story, Jesus went on toward Jerusalem, walking ahead of his disciples. As he came to the towns of Bethage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives, he sent two disciples ahead. Go into that village over there, he told them. As you enter it, you will see a young donkey tied there that no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks, why are you untying that colt? Just say, the Lord needs it. So they went and found the colt just as Jesus had said. And sure enough, as they were untying it, the owners asked them, why are you untying that colt? And the disciples simply replied, the Lord needs it. So they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their garments over it for him to ride on it. As he rode along, the crowd spread out their garments on the road ahead of him. When he reached the place where the road started down the Mount of Olives, all of his disciples, all of his followers began to shout and sing as they walked along, praising God for all the wonderful miracles they had seen. Blessings on the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. But some of the Pharisees among the crowd said, Teacher, rebuke your followers for saying things like that. He replied, If they kept quiet, the stones along the road would burst into cheers. But as he came closer to Jerusalem, he saw the city ahead. He began to weep. How I wish today... That you of all people would understand the way to peace. But now it is too late. And peace is hidden from your eyes. Before long your enemies will build ramparts against your walls and encircle you. And close you in on, from every side. They will crush you into the ground. And your children with you. Your enemies will not leave a single stone in place because you did not recognize it when God visited you. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. There's so many emotions on this day. Some years ago the the phrase emotional intelligence was was coined, and it was popularized. And the whole idea was that uh, a person's emotional intelligence, their ability to deal with their emotions, their ability to control their emotions, their ability not to allow their emotions to cause them to do crazy, silly things, uh, really was a greater predictor of how well they would do in life than their IQ. And Jesus was an emotional guy. And yet he never let his emotions dictate his actions. Sometimes his emotions would would get the best of him, and we'll look at that a little bit later. And yet it seems like Jesus has this amazing ability, as we just read this this heart-rendering story, that Jesus never allows the, the cheers and the popularity that he experiences at times, cause him to do what he's not supposed to do. He's very much open to receiving the praise and the cheers. But at the same time, he doesn't play to the crowd. Jesus also is someone who will take a lot of insults. A lot of jeers come his way. Well, look at those. How do you deal with insults? How do you deal with praise? How fragile are you in your ego based on what people say to you and for you and about you and what people might say against you? And Jesus also weeps. He, he cries over the city. We'll look at that as well. First of all, the jeers. There's a a beautiful painting that Kristen Strong of our own church has created for this enactment of Jesus entering Jerusalem. (laughs) I love her painting. And as we look at that, as we tell the story, we're reminded that there were many different triumphal entries in Jerusalem over the course of history and time. Jesus wasn't the only one. Alexander the Great some centuries before had been had received a tr- wonderful triumphal entry riding on a horse and the Jews took him down to the temple and there he made a great sacrifice and yet this king this this one Jesus he doesn't come as a military conquering hero he doesn't come riding on a horse. He comes on a lowly colt of a donkey on which no one had ever ridden. And yet, as he rides on this donkey, it's not by chance, it's a fulfillment of the prophecy. Zechariah 9 9 had depicted the vision of a Messiah, of a king that would come riding on a colt. The fact that the colt had never been ridden on was was homage to royalty. And as Jesus begins to, to, to come toward Jerusalem, there's a band of followers that's there with him it's not just the people of the city of Jerusalem that are greeting him. It's the people. It's the ragtag bunch of people that he's brought with him from Galilee. It's, it's the poor. It's, it's some of the prostitutes. It's, it's some of the, the lame. It's, it's some of the outsiders. It's some of the folks that he's touched along the way. It's some of the women. It's a various group of people. And they, they do what you do for kings and to honor royalty in that day. They, they take their garments and they throw it along the pathway. Although the garments probably weren't all that expensive because that was part of the lot of the people. That Jesus brought with him when he came to town. Now, Jesus had come to town many times. He'd come to town in the various festivals, the pilgrimages, several of them every year. And he certainly had made that trip at the Passover time where they entered Jerusalem. And there, every family would come and make their sacrifice to God for their sins, for the priests on their behalf would take the lamb's blood and pour it, something like 2 million lambs might have been slain on any given Passover. Jesus comes today as a wanted man. He's wanted in many ways. He's wanted as a political Messiah who's going to throw the Romans out. He's wanted as a wanted man where the religious leaders want to kill him. And there are some people who want him simply because they love him. They adore Him. And as He comes by, the Halil Psalms are sung, and, and the Halil Psalms are Psalms 113 and 14 and 15 and 16 and 17 and 18 in your Holy Bible. And they would sing the songs. And from that Psalm, of Psalm 118... They would cry out, and you could just sense the chanting getting louder. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. (laughs) Peace in heaven in the highest heaven. Maybe it's not unlike a, a great baseball player who steps to the plate, and he's the most valuable player, and people just start chanting, MVP, MVP, MVP. But you sense the growing intensity as Jesus is entering Jerusalem chanting and cheering him on. What do you cheer about? What do you get excited about? In what ways do you cheer Jesus on in what he's doing in your life, in the world? Well, not everybody's happy with this. Some of the Pharisees are standing there, and they've not been happy with Jesus for years now. And they say to him, teacher, rebuke your disciples. And this is not the first time that they would try to silence Jesus. And throughout that week, we we know of the insults, the jeers that would come jesus's way it would come from uh, the soldiers who would mock his deity who would put a scarlet robe on him and a crown of thorns it would come from a thief on the cross that hung with him it would come as he hung on the cross with the insults of the religious leaders hurled at him you saved others down from the cross. If you're God, why you can't even save yourself. So what do you do with insults? I like what Jesus does here, where he doesn't return insult for insult, but he's not in the least way intimidated by people who would silence the praise, and the cheers that are due him. Why, if these are silent, even the stones would cry out. Joshua Rogers is a a writer that I follow. I really enjoy receiving his uh, weekly writings. And he recently told a story When his daughter his five-year-old daughter came home from kindergarten and he was putting her to bed that night and he knew something was wrong with his little girl and they said their prayers and he, he walked out of the room she said daddy there was a girl that said something mean to me today and he turned back and he said well what what did she say and he had to ask her several times. He had to coax it out of her. Until finally she said, well, she, she said I was fat. Roger says he couldn't believe it. Uh, the name-calling, it starts pretty young in life. And he said he, uh, he went back to his daughter, and he reassured her she wasn't fat. But he recognized that even a pep top wasn't enough. Um, It just, there was something else needed beyond just a hug that he gave her as well. And so he said, let's pray. So he knelt down with her. And he prayed, Jesus. I want you to dig deep down into my, my girl's heart. I want you to pull out that toxic word that's been said against her. I want you to pull it out. And sweetheart, I want you to take that word that Jesus is pulling out of your heart. And I want you to hold out your hands. And I want you to just see that word. Put in your hands. And then they got up. Whoops. (laughs) He didn't have a robe on at the time. (laughs) They got up. And they went over to the window. And he opened up the blinds. We're just going to throw that window. We're going to throw that word out the window. We're going to give that word to Jesus. And they went back that we're going to pray. I want you to pray for that girl in your own words. And I think he did something that was really amazing. I think what we need to do with our children and our grandchildren is not just give them rhymes and memorize praying, but let them make up their own prayers. And she prayed for that little girl basically to say, Jesus, help her to be nice. Roger said he thought it was so important for her to pray that prayer because she would not live in a spirit of judgment or resentment toward that girl, but also not live in any sense of inferiority as well. I think that's just a wonderful example of what we can do at any age. With the insults that come our way. What do you do with the jeers? What do you do with your woundedness? Whether it's woundedness that you carry around with you still as a child that you got because there's the wounded child inside, or what do you do with maybe uh, a wound that you just got yesterday? And you give them to Jesus. Knowing that with his stripes, we are healed. And there's the tears. You know, Jesus uh, winds his way around the Mount of Olives. And he he gets this panoramic view of, of Jerusalem. And as he sees Jerusalem, he begins to cry. He begins to weep. Now, Jesus, throughout the gospel, he reflected oftentimes emotions. He wept at, G- at Lazarus' tomb because he was in deep angst of the, of the havoc that death does to the human family. He, he got angry at times. He would clear the temple out because of what they were doing to the poor. Uh, that's, not, that's not it. We're not ready for that yet, please. Thanks. He would uh, be joyful... When people understood, when people got it, he could be playful's children. He knew the abandonment of what it felt like to be forsaken on the cross. Jesus was someone who was able not to stuff his emotions, but to express them and to let them out so in this scene, at this moment, Jesus weeps over Jerusalem. <laughs> Why does he cry? Now let's look at the reasons. You know, he, he wept because there were people who misunderstood his mission. They thought he was there to drive Caesar out. Rather than see him as the personal savior, the one that would be delivering us from our sins from the inside out. Uh, He wept over the religious leaders who were so harsh and hardened, who knowingly rejected him, some even knowing who he was. He wept certainly over what the Romans were going to do just 40 years later. They ravaged Jerusalem. They leveled it. And the writings of the historian Josephus say as much. Jerusalem was destroyed as a city. But I think more than anything else, Jesus wept because they didn't get it. They didn't recognize that God had visited them. Through Him. I read this week that we've got the first image of a black hole. How many different millions or trillions of light years away is this black hole? And scientists say in looking at the image that was captured it is 6.5 billion times the size of our Sun. Now think about that just a little bit with me. Millions or trillions of light years away, a black hole is seen. And that black hole is 6.5 billion times the size of our sun. The God that created that and so much more had come to this earth, and they didn't recognize it. They didn't take advantage of the opportunity that was theirs. And so Jesus weeps. And Jesus weeps today. What are are the things that you think Jesus might weep about? over our city, or over our community, or over our world. What is it that makes Jesus cry? I know this dates me, but I think Johnny Cash said it best some years ago when he wrote these words and sung these words about the man in black. I wear the black for the poor and the beaten down. Living in the hopeless, hungry side of town. I wear it for the prisoner who has long paid for his crime. but is there there because he's a victim of the times. I wear the black for those who never read or listened to the words that Jesus said about the road to happiness through love and charity while you'd think he's talking straight to you and me. So Jesus, Jesus cries. What do you cry about? What makes you cry? This is an emotional week. This is a week in which uh, we can fully engage in the story. We can step into the story and and we can find (laughs) the presence of God in our life that visits us in our own jeers. In the midst of our own tears. And also in our own triumphs. Tonight, we, we have the Seder meal, and if you've registered, that's going to be a, a meaningful time where we step into the Passover event, not just of the exodus, but of the new covenant that Jesus establishes. On Thursday night, or Wednesday, we have fasting and prayer. On Thursday night is Monday Thursday, where we engage in the Last Supper ourselves, On Friday, the day we call Good Friday, we'll gather in the Outreach Center in one of two different times at six or seven just to come beneath the cross. And then next Sunday, (laughs) Resurrection Day, oh, there's nothing like Easter, but you can't enjoy the sweetness of Easter unless you've gone and eaten the bitter herbs of the Passover, unless you've been to the cross, I hope you journey this way intentionally through this holy, passionate, emotional week. There was a little girl that was crying in church and an older gentleman walked up to her and he said, honey, why are you crying? She said, I was crying. Because of what they did to Jesus, I was crying because of what he went through. And the older gentleman just patted her on the back and said, there, there, honey. Don't let it get to you. I think sometimes it needs to get to us. I think there are times where we need to step into the story. There are times when we need to feel what Jesus felt and to think what Jesus thought and to live again through what Jesus lived through. So what is it that makes you cheer? What are the insults that come your way? And are you willing to join Jesus in your tears?